0: Uh, My wife and I were away, Niagara-on-the-Lake this past week, serving at a wedding for a couple from our church, and uh, my daughter Bethany called us and said, Dad, um, remember that book that you had on your armchair in the living room? Uh, That's Finley. That's Finley. Um, Finley and I are having conversations right now. We're working it out. If you notice the jacket of the book, it's titled The Art of Forgiveness. Um, So anyway, the Lord has a wonderful sense of humor, doesn't he? Um, But anyway, that's my dog, and that's what I'm facing in the week ahead. I have to work through how to forgive my dog for abusing one of my favorite books, Lewis Smead's. It's a wonderful book, by the way, but. Anyway, should we get started? All right. One is the series title. There are so many ones in the Bible. And last week, if you are with us, we talked about the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it's a fundamental passage for um, the Hebrew people. It's a fundamental passage for Christians. It was what distinguished them from the neighboring nations in a uh, time of polytheism where there were many gods with the neighboring nations. They had come out of Egypt. They were formed into a people at Sinai. Um, God gave them commandments to keep them free, not to make them his slaves. Um, It's fundamental that we be different than the people around us. And so as Jesus followers, we are invited into a host of ones, so to speak. And today we're gonna talk about one church. And so we started with one God, who is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now we're going to talk about one church, Uh, even though there are many expressions of the one church. We often will pray for another local church here at King Street Community Church because we believe that what God is doing is not only happening here. We are one little microcosm, so to speak, of all that God is doing in the world and in Durham region. And if you've been around here for a little while, you'll know that we don't have lofty views or opinions of ourselves. We are just sons and daughters of the one true God, whom He is working through by His grace to help reflect an aspect of His brilliance and beauty to the world around us. But there are so many other wonderful expressions of the body of Christ that we celebrate. We don't compete with them, we celebrate. And uh, we don't pretend to be the biggest or the greatest or the best of anything. We are just a group of humans brought together by the Spirit around our common faith in Jesus. And then he's working to use us in ways that are consistent with how he's made us. And we are a collection of people who are very, very different. And uh, we're not here by accident or by some random chance. We've been brought together and formed into his people under Jesus this is what makes the church unique, is that it's our common faith in Jesus, and the fact that our, the common Holy Spirit indwells us as individuals, this body of ours as individuals is sacred, and this body collectively as the church is also sacred. And we'll unpack some of that in the next few moments. But this idea of one church is very, very important. And um, I don't know how many of you are quite familiar with our um, Muslim neighbors and friends. Um, And how many of you would know the distinction between a Shia and a Sunni Muslim? How many of you would know the difference between those two? I see one or two, a few hands, but not many, not many. Uh, How many of you would know the difference between uh, a reform, orthodox, conservative, and reconstructionist Judaism experience or expression. A couple, few, maybe would know that too. I don't know how many of you in this room would know the difference necessarily between a Presbyterian missionary alliance, Methodist, Pentecostal, Baptist, Anglican, Christian reform, Nazarene, independent, non-denominational, Salvation Army, Brethren, Mennonite Brethren, and the list goes on and on to include, ready this, ready for this? 33,089 denominations in 2023. Get your head around that for a moment. There is a lot of different expressions in the church. And if we struggle between a, a Shia and a Sunni and the four or five different expressions within the Jewish faith, 33,000 is a lot of different expressions. And every one of them has little subtle nuances about them. And humans love to cluster right into organizations and say, well, this is my group. This is our group. If you're in this group, then this is what you believe. And if you're not believing that, then you can't be part of this. Or this is what makes us different from you. Do you know what I think Christians have done? And I told our general superintendent when I was in one brave moment in a meeting, I said, Do I think personally, as Pentecostals, we have spent too much energy trying to celebrate what makes us distinct from other churches rather than spending energy on being distinct from the world around us? That makes sense? And by the way, he was incredibly receptive to that conversation. Um, but why do churches do that? Why do we say, well, this is who we are and that's who they are? What if we just said, and I try to do this as much as I can, celebrate our common faith in Jesus? It's Jesus who brings us together. If you're part of the one church, the one body of Christ, under the one true God, you will hold Jesus at the very center of your orientation. If Jesus is at the center then you are my brother and you are my sister. And that's why, as I said last week, I look at our Catholic brothers and sisters as truly brothers and sisters. There will not be a Pentecostal neighborhood in heaven. There will not be a Baptist neighborhood in heaven. There will not be an Anglican neighborhood in heaven. All of these different expressions of the body of Christ are legitimate expressions of the body of Christ. I went to a seminary out west, and I studied with Salvation Army, with Baptists, with Alliance, with Methodists, with Pentecostals. It was just a little slice of heaven. I love and have a growing appreciation for the diversity within the beauty of the body of Christ. Why focus on one little narrow expression of it when there is a massive smorgasbord, right, to be enjoyed in heaven? And right here, heaven starts now for us in the kingdom of God. All right, so are you ready to go with this teaching? All right, so why don't we stand together and we will recite our passage to ponder that we are taking with us throughout this series. So loud enough for your neighbor to hear you, would you join me by reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6 beginning at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The word of the Lord, and you may be seated. So if there is one passage that's important for us to consider this morning as it relates to this idea of one church, it's taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciple friends, and he wants to get crystal clear about something. He wants his disciple friends to understand, or at least to acknowledge, who he is. And so many of you know this passage, and if you're new to church, I'll read it for you, Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, and this is kind of a strange response, some sort of like first century reincarnation or something. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, and this is an important question, but who do you say? Who do you say I am? The word on the street is X, Y, and Z, but what about you? What do you think? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, if you're familiar with the Bible, Peter was very bold, very brave. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You didn't learn this in school or in class or reading a book. This was from the Father. The Father revealed this to you. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What a beautiful word for us this morning. Peter comes to terms with a revelation from the Father that Jesus is the unique, one-of-a-kind Son of God, that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the one who will rescue the human family. That's what Peter confesses. This is what Jesus says, I'm gonna build my church on. We believe that that confession that Jesus Is unique that he's the Christ, that he's the Messiah. That is the cornerstone, the centerpiece, the whole orientation of the church. And this is why I believe to my toes that if you make the good confession that Jesus is Lord, doesn't matter what banner you worship under, if you worship the Lord Jesus, he's the leader of your life, you're following him closely, you're learning what it means to be a devoted disciple of his, you're in and I'm in with you, and we're in this together, and we're family, and the same spirit that lives in you lives in me, and vice versa, and we are connected. We're family. That's what I believe to be true. So if you've made that good confession today, and you'd say, you know what, I come from a different Christian tradition, that doesn't matter. We're family, and so that's why I think it's really important that family speak well of family. So when there's another church across town that's doing something very different, but Jesus is the king over their lives and over that community, we just celebrate who they are. We may not resonate with what they're doing. There may be something very different about our personality and their personality. We may have slight variances around what we would emphasize or what they're emphasizing, but at the end of the day, we say Jesus is king, he's king over them, he's king over us, which makes us connected, and we speak well of everyone. I hope we're doing a better job of that these days. And I think we are. I think the one church is praying for each other, celebrating each other, dropping our differences and our critique. I sure hope that's the case. There have been times in church history when movements have risen up and that's sort of splintered or divided the church. And listen, we just came through COVID with a pandemic and there were different emphases and different approaches and different things. And I'm not sure between you and I, it was our finest hour. I think there's a lot of polarization a lot of division and a lot of looking across the aisle at different people along the way not necessarily right here at king street but the body of christ and i just think sometimes we lost the forest for the trees it's like okay that's where that person's coming from that's where they're at that's what's important to them unless it's a blatant doctrinal misstep it's like i entrust you to god and you're my brother and how can i love you well that will serve us all better don't you think I don't like to be judged by other people. Anybody in the room say, I love being judged. I love it when people scrutinize me. I love it when they they put my life under a microscope, examine me, and find all my faults and failures. It's like the best day ever when that happens. (laughs) Nobody loves that, right? But all of us have a tendency. That's why Jesus said don't judge because he knew we had a default toward that. He says, you know what? Be generous with your words. Be generous with your ideas and thoughts about other people. You'll love them better that way. When we're behind closed doors and we're ripping people apart and we're scrutinizing and criticizing, when we're in their presence, something is off between us. So it's important that even when we're in private, that we think well and speak well of each other and choose the best for the other. It's what love does always. The church holds out so much potential, not just for herself, but for the world around us. Stakes are high that we make sure we don't compromise. Remember the words of Jesus, right? A house divided won't stand. It will collapse. Like a house of cards, it will come down. And what we're about is far too sacred and far too important because the next generation needs to hear a pure, as pure as possible, gospel presentation. Not just hear it, but see it lived out in the community. And as I said earlier, when Norma Jean Jenkins graduates and goes to heaven, there's one signpost less for me to see. She lived well. She reflected Jesus back to her community. And so that's our job, right? I think sometimes one of our challenges, I know it can be mine, so I'm assuming you can relate to this. Sometimes we are more committed to being right than to loving the other person. I want everybody to see the world like I see it. And if they don't see it the way I see it, something's wrong with their vantage point, right? Which is really not a mature view of things. It's just a different vantage point. And I have to come alongside and say, I wonder why they see it that way. Just suspend judgment for a moment play the role of the observer, step back, and say, hmm, I wonder if I can learn something here. This helps us all, right? Okay, so I have two-point sermon today with about 16 sub-points under each of them. (laughs) All right, here's the first one. Jesus is building his church, and it is a confessional community. He's building a confessional community. Uh, I love scripture for so many reasons, but it's rich with metaphor. It really is. And um, the church is described by New Testament authors by the use of metaphor. So can I introduce a few to you? And maybe this won't be for the first time for some, but for, for, for some it might be. Um, the Bible talks about the church as family. And that's a word that's very important to us as a church here at King Street. Church as family. When we start considering church as family, what happens is it's diametrically opposed to church as institution. Our culture right now is looking at the church as an institution with skepticism and with probably some uh, mistrust. And um, sometimes institutions uh, have been uh, granted some measure of power, and, and unfortunately, power has been misused. Um, you don't find in Scripture some sort of idea that the church is intended to be an institution. It's supposed to be a community. That's why King Street Community Church, right? It's intended to be a family And uh, this is what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter two. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. That's who we are. All of us are members of God's family. And families do well when they stay connected. Um, Sometimes you hear families splintered, divided, polarized in some way. And uh, it's important that families make a deep commitment to working through their problems, their struggles, whatever might threaten their unity. And so that's the same with the spiritual community. And again, for all of us in this room, especially those who are brand new, churches are not perfect. If you come here to King Street Community Church, put roots down, you'll quickly discover that the pastoral team is not perfect, starting with me. And you'll find out the people sitting around you have personal problems. And you'll find that people around here have questions about faith. Uh, You'll find that there are sometimes small, little relational conflicts between people. That's the way life goes. As long as we're outside of Eden, all of those things will be true indefinitely. Um, But when the Spirit of God is working in us, and when we are yielding and surrendering to Him, we have the staying power and the capacity to work through stuff together progressively. And uh, will we always have problems? Yes, we will but hopefully we gain a sense of maturity as we work through them and we grow personally. So the church is intended to be a family. It's also intended to be a temple. Um, Temple language in scripture is sacred space. Um, I'm not sure if you watched the news the last couple of months, but there have been some incidents over in Europe. Have you seen those where some very important, uh, what we would call historical settings have been um, uh, a 27-year-old person uh, who probably loves his girlfriend a lot uh, decided outside of the roman coliseum to carve his initials into the outside wall did you see that in the news story um, it's just sort of that that that's really important historical site is is you know we, we love the fact that you love your girlfriend and everything but really it's not why people are going over there to see jimmy loves Joni, right it's not temple is sacred Uh, we do well when we make our way in the world with a measure, a measure of reverence, right? Whether it's for God's good creation that we should take good care of or whether it's the human I'm standing in front of. There's a sense of reverence. My supervisor in the counseling field says that we ought to hold reverence for the client, for the person in front of us. I think it's important that we do so. And we get that as Jesus following people um, for our bodies. This is why it really matters why we look after our body a certain way. And, and this is what um, this passage, let me, let me read this to you. Uh, it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Remember, temple metaphor. Uh, New Testament. Don't you realize that all of you together, though this is collectively, all of you together are the temple of God? We form the temple of God together. And that the Spirit of God lives in you, plural. He lives in us, collectively. And then he says this, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. This passage has been misread before, by the way. When people have killed themselves or committed suicide, taken their own lives, it's like, see what happens when people take their own lives? God deals with them on the other side. No, no, that's a misreading of this text. It's a misreading of the passage. This is collectively the people of God. Here's the hard word, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. That's us collectively. So here's a word of warning for all of us, including me. Be very careful how you act in the church. You don't want to hurt this body of Christ. God says, Whoa, 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 whoa. The people of God, they're my people. What's happening here is sacred, and the Spirit of God is working among us. So we don't tear it apart. We fight for her. We don't fight against her. We fight for her. There are a lot of antagonists against the church these days. She should not be antagonized by within. She should be protected from within. She should be nurtured and celebrated from within. I had a prof way back a number of decades ago in Bible school who used to say to us all the time, we used to just he would always say, love the church. Love the church. He was trying to teach people uh, you know, future pastors to celebrate and guard and protect the body of Christ. So would you join me by protecting her? Let's not tear her apart. She has enough enemies on the outside. And so all of us collectively are the temple. And here's another metaphor. The church as bride. We are the bride of Christ. A sacred relationship exists between a husband and his wife. And Jesus Uh, understood the sacred nature of marriage. And Paul wrote about it very clearly in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says this. This is my paraphrase. I'll read something in just a second. But he says, the marriage that is established by God, his pattern is to be celebrated and honored and to be protected. And then he says, the apostle Paul writes and says, oh, by the way, when we think about a husband's love for his wife and a wife's love for her husband, it is a picture. It is a picture of Christ's love for the church. We are the bride of Christ. That's a picture he wants us to think about. And so in Ephesians 5, Paul writes For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, laid down his life for her. He gave up his life for her. And this is a great mystery, but it's also an illustration, it's a picture of the way Christ and the church are one. Just like, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Christ and the church are one. And so when we speak poorly about the bride of Christ, which is the body of Christ, we speak poorly about the one who's joined himself to us. If somebody speaks poorly about my wife, she's my bride, well, now she has issue, Now that person has issue with me, right? Because we're one. We stand together. Um... And it's the same with you. If somebody speaks poorly about your partner, your spouse, um, you're, you're saying, hey, wait, that's, that's an important person to me. This is how Christ advocates for the church. And so sometimes it can be challenging, and it can test us when churches that bear the name are out doing some things along the way. It just doesn't, like I said, it just doesn't seem to ring true to us or whatever it might be. And we're not talking doctrinal things necessarily, though it might be. Remember, Catholics and Protestants don't see the Lord's table the same way. Um, Our Catholic brothers and sisters see it as becoming the body and blood. We see it as a symbol. You hear me say this. The symbol that points us to the substance. That's how I say it. It's a symbol that points us to the substance. That's our perspective. That's how we read scripture as responsibly as we can. But when I see my Catholic brothers and sisters holding it in different regard, I say that's how they see it. And I spoke with a lady this week who's a searching person. And she is, appears to be perhaps on her way back to a journey of faith with Jesus through the Catholic Church, actually. And she is saying to me, she's not sure if she believes that. She says, I'm not sure if I believe that magical part. That's what she said. And then she said to me in the same breath, but I'm not sure if it really matters between symbol and actual. And I thought, You know what, why splinter this thing and say, well, unless you see it like me or participate like me, you're out. What if one day we end up on the other side and we're wrong? (laughs) Are you open to the fact that one day when you get to the other side, you might be wrong about some things? And what that is for us is creates humility. We hold loosely to certain things. I'm holding tightly to Jesus as Lord. I'm holding tightly to the fact that I need a savior. I'm holding tightly to the fact that God speaks with me through his word. I'm holding tightly to a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? I'm holding tightly to the fact, unfortunately, that I'm a sinner needing saving. But these other things, some people get sprinkled with water, some people get immersed in baptism, some people say it becomes, some people say it's a symbol. At the end of the day, are we all trying to honor Jesus? Then let's just keep following him as closely as we can and leave all those things to him on the other side. I think we should wrestle with Scripture, by the way. I think we should. I think we should spend a lot of energy and effort looking at the text and saying, what, does, what seems to be here, right? And then at the end, we say, we did our best to responsibly interpret and apply the Bible to us, and now we're gonna move forward with Jesus. Because the last time I checked, we are not called to um, worship the Bible. We're called to worship Jesus, the one true God. The Bible leads us To a place where we encounter him, a person. Right? You can know the Bible. That's what Jesus said to the religious people. You can know the Bible inside and out and miss the forest for the trees. You can memorize it. You can meditate on it. You can digest it and read it and have love far away from you. And you can weaponize that same book and clobber people with it all day long. And Jesus is saying, Come follow me. I hope we find him in the pages of Scripture. But the Scripture serves as a means right, to help us encounter the one true God and love him. All right. Should we keep going? All right. So uh, two more. The last one is this. Our second last one is church as body. Uh, We've already referenced that today. Our human bodies serve as a wonderful illustration and picture of what it means to belong to the body of Christ. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. As we read earlier, we are all part of the body of Christ, assigned a different function and role, but we need each other. And just a reminder that I am not the head of the church and neither are you, but Jesus is the head of the church. And he turns us according to his will, right? And he connects us all together. If we take the head away from the body, we will not live for very long. We need Jesus in his rightful place. He is at the operational center of the body. And then finally, as we've already mentioned, church as confessional community. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so we have a a host of metaphors, and then we have this beautiful good confession. So here's my question for you. Have you made the good confession that Jesus is Lord? If you have made the good confession that Jesus is Lord, you are in the body of Christ. You are in the kingdom of God. And then you're learning, like the rest of us, what it means to follow him closely. And we can make the good confession in one moment and then struggle with doubt the next, But if we are coming back to the good confession over and over and over again, I don't think it's healthy for us to say, yeah, I made the good confession back in 1972, but we don't really make the confession anymore by the way we live our lives. That good confession we made needs to be remade and needs to be evidenced by the way we live our lives. Lord, may that confession be coming out of my life, not always, and maybe not very often with words, but with actions, with the way I am, a principle-oriented person, familiar with the ways of God, embodying it by his spirit to live the way he would have me live in the world. All right, here's the last last thought for today. Two-point sermon. Diversity in the body of Christ helps us serve different kinds of people. Uh, I have bad news for us today. Not everybody in the Durham region is going to resonate with our personality as King Street Community Church. Only a select few who are privileged will be able to connect with us. <laughs> I don't mean that at all. I'm being incredibly facetious. We have a certain personality. We have a certain way of how we do things. And, and that's a mixed bag, right? Because some of you who are here, let me say this, all of you who are here today wish we would be a little bit more of something else and a little bit less of something else because there is nothing about the church that could ever meet all of our needs and preferences. I had a former mentor who used to say, if you're going to have unity, everybody has to be prepared to give something up. That's the only way you have unity, is that, okay, I don't like that as much, but you know what? Others do, and so I'm ready ready to say yes to that, because it's better for the greater good, and that's what belonging to a family is all about, I'm not sure what it's like in your home, but we always don't eat our my favorite meal every supper time. Sometimes I go, "Oh well, Riley likes it, or Bethany likes it, or Pia likes it, or whatever it might be, right?" And 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 you just say, "This is the meal for tonight," and that's how families function. Uh, God loves diversity, by the way, absolutely in love with it. Um, you know, you know this, right? God made ten thousand different kinds of beetles. That's crazy. How about 9,800 different kinds of bird species? 30,000 different, that we know of, 30,000 different kinds of fish that swim in our oceans and lakes. Why don't you just make one bird, right? (laughs) One fish. Isn't one beetle enough, right? (laughs) When we're not at our best, we demand that every church look just like us. And when we are at our best, we're just going like this. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I love it. That's amazing what they're doing over there. That's fantastic. That's when we're at our best, right? And we're demanding everybody else to conform, right? Conformity is not is not unity, or uniformity is not unity. Um, okay, so I'll leave you with a series of questions here, and then just one last thought or two. Here we go. Do differing views on biblical or theological theological issues need to separate us? Differing views on biblical or theological ideas need to separate us. Do we have to draw definitive lines? You're this, I'm that. Oh, they baptize by immersion. They, they sprinkle. Oh, they have a certain kind of approach, to certain days or feasts of the year. Can we not just say, that's where they're at, this is where we're at, and it doesn't have to necessarily separate us. And I'll use the example of the Eucharist and the Lord's Supper. If it's approached differently, Is that okay? My recommendation is to say, yes, it is okay. How can we make space for others to think differently on certain matters without minimizing their perspective? Other people think a little differently about this matter. Okay. As I said last week and I said earlier today, what can I learn about their perspective? How does the desire for certainty and all or nothing thinking get in the way of our experience of oneness. I want to have things nailed down. I don't want to live in the tension or any form of ambiguity. I don't want to live with this, maybe, maybe not. I want to know for certainty, all humans want that, but we can't have it, this side of heaven. And so this idea of all or nothing thinking, you're either in or out, black and white thinking, it doesn't serve us well. In the final book of the Bible, book of Revelation, we read that God has something to say to seven different churches in one region in modern-day Turkey. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, write this letter to the angel or to the messenger of the church in Ephesus. And then he goes on and talks about some things. Then he says the very same thing, but he has different things to say to the church in Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. He has something to say, and if we look at those churches, there are different contexts, there are different gifts, there are different passions, personalities, strengths and weaknesses. He has a word of correction for the churches. He has a word of affirmation for the churches. They're all different. I wonder what the Lord would say today if he said, to the church in Oshawa, Calvary Baptist, to the church in Whitby, Whitby Christian Assembly, to the church in North Oshawa, Embassy Church, to the church in Central Oshawa, King Street Community Church. What would he say? He probably would say different things because we're a different community of people, and there are some really beautiful strengths and weaknesses in each of those contexts. And a personality that needs to be transformed and sanctified by the Spirit of Jesus, there would be a word of affirmation and probably a word of correction that would come to us because we haven't figured it all out yet. And church can be messy sometimes. I've been at this now for 30 years in August. Can you imagine? I've been doing this for 30 years. I've seen a lot. Uh, I've been around when there have been some ladder rain movements and charismatic renewals. I've seen my share of trends that have come and gone. It's interesting. If you're around somewhere long enough, the trend will come, the trend will go, and the trend will come back again. It's actually kind of interesting. I also had a mentor of mine um, say to me, Dave, if you stay in the same church long enough, you'll see them come, you'll see them go, and you'll see them come back again. And I've seen that too. It's the way life goes. Um, And so this is why I am a big advocate to just stay rooted in the church. Put your roots down into Jesus, right? I've never wanted to follow the trends. I don't want to be like the church down in the U.S., I don't want to be like the church across the town. I don't want to be the church out in the West Coast. I want to be King Street Community Church, the best version of us. What is it that God wants to do here now with us? That's what makes it an adventure, saying, I wonder what the Spirit is saying to us collectively. And by the way, I would say this. God does appoint pastors, teachers, spiritual leaders for congregations. Um, There are servant leaders that rise up to places of affirmation by the congregation known as deacons, deacon boards, and we collectively lead communally. But I also believe this priesthood of all believers that God might say something to us collectively to those of you who are seated here today in the congregation and it might be helpful for us directional for us so we're listening collectively to what God has to say and then we all play the role that God wants us to play so here's the last thought for today when the body of Christ is healthy what does she look like well here's a few things four things she is well nourished I call her she because of the bride of Christ She's well-nourished. That means she has a voracious appetite for the word and ways of God. I want to be part of a church where the word of God, we read it publicly every Sunday for a reason. I think ever since I came here, it's been 17 years, we would read scripture publicly on a Sunday morning because I believe the word of God is very important. Serves not just as guardrails for us, but it leads us through the text into the Jesus, into a, a mystical encounter with Christ. So she's well-nourished. She is functionally able to take good care of herself and others. The body of Christ is caring for herself. Isn't it amazing how the body can heal itself? If you can give the body the right environment, the right rest, the right nourishment, she can heal herself. It can heal itself. And same with us as the church. We can actually heal ourselves. This is the way God arranged it, the spirit working through each of us. Uh, fourth, uh, thirdly, she is connected and esteems every part of the body. It doesn't matter what your spiritual gift is, it's your gift, and God has endowed you with it, and it's supposed to be used in service of others. And so we don't prize others. A teaching gift is no more important than an administration gift or the gift of tongue speaking or prophecy or anything else that gets visibility. If you have the gift of helps or mercy, whatever that might look like, even generosity, what a wonderful gift that is, the gift of giving. We all do our part along the way. And then here's the last thought. If we're healthy, what do we look like? Well, Um, The body of Christ recognizes where the operational center resides, and it's the head of the body, which is Jesus. He is the head of the church. So one church, I guess I'll just continue to ask you to keep speaking well of her right here at King Street, and then speaking well of her everywhere, and give people permission in other local churches to be themselves, and then also right here in this local expression, there are people in this congregation that are very unlike you, because they have a different personality, different backstory, they experience God a little bit differently, we look across the aisle and say, that's great, I'm glad that they expressed their love for Jesus this way. And you can be comfortable in your own skin to express your love for Jesus your way, because God made you that way, and he made me this way, on purpose, for a reason. And so we reclaim ourselves, and Jesus himself reclaims us, and we can be our true selves, as the Spirit is working strongly in us amen to that amen to that okay all right and i know you know this and and i love the church a lot and i love king street community church a lot and i love the body of christ a lot i wouldn't want to do life without belonging to the church the body of christ um can i ask you for a resounding yes in just a moment i'm going to say do you love the church And at the very end would you say a resounding yes if you do okay ready here we go do you love the church amen to that Amen to that. Lord, thank you for this congregation, and thank you for the fact that you place us in bodies, in families, in churches, and we get to belong to a spiritual community that is vibrant and alive because your spirit is present among us collectively. Lord, help us to always, when we gather, be mindful of the fact that you are here making us a body, a community, a family in ways that are so different than other gatherings in the world around us. Help us to experience the life-transforming presence and power of Jesus among us. Help us to be ourselves as you prompt us to move in the world a certain way. Lord, help us not to disconnect ourselves from the head ever. Help us to always stay well-connected to you You are the chief operational system. You are the chief engineer. You are the chief CEO over the church. You are leader. You are savior. You are king. You are God. And we are lost without you. So continue to move us and turn us according to your goodwill. And may most importantly there be spiritual life energizing through the veins of this local body of Christ. Oh Lord, we just pray for that today in this September moment that you would make us the people of God you called us to be. Help us to say no to sin and evil and help us to say yes to righteousness and goodness and beauty and worship and devotion to you, the one true God. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.